This is episode 136 of the Prepper Website Podcast. Today's articles are 11 Bartering Tips for Preppers, How I Stopped Worrying and Used PMCT, Part 1, and Urban Survivors, a Post-SHTF Water Supply. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey, um, so before we get started, many of you know that I live in Houston. Uh, we uh, did miss the uh, the podcast, uh, yesterday's podcast, and for the first time in a very, very long time, uh, did not post to Prepper website. So I got a couple of emails on that, like, hey, Todd, <laughs> I hope everything's all right. So uh, I guess, you know, the people that are just going straight to Prepper website um, and, you know, who are not coming over to uh, the podcast and listening to, to the podcast might not know that I'm in Houston. Uh, yeah, we, it, it got pretty crazy. So uh, the water got really high for us. Uh, for a while there, I really thought that uh, it was coming in. I mean, it was right to the edge. Uh, we had moved up our vehicles. Um, if, if you're uh, on the uh, on the email list, I did send out an email. Uh, I think Saturday or m- maybe it was Sunday. I can't even remember. It's kind of all the days are running in, uh, you know, t- close together for me now. And uh, anyway, uh, so uh, sent out an email with some pictures of my son's car that got watered in it last time. And so uh, this time around, we were very, very purposeful in, in moving the vehicles up as, as close to the, that we could to the to the house. And, uh, and uh, so we also moved uh, my other son's vehicle into our neighbor's driveway. Uh, they were gracious enough to allow us to move it over there because if we wouldn't have, it would have received a, a lot of water in there. But um, water did uh, almost get into the house. I mean, it was inches away from coming in. Uh, I'd already resolved in my mind, you know, this is something that I was going to deal with. It was going to be a, a big deal, you know, d- uh, dealing with water. Uh, and so, uh, you know, in the house and, and, and what that consisted of. So uh, it was it was pretty crazy. But, uh, you know, God was uh, gracious to us and the water did not come into the house or to the vehicles. Um, but it, it was higher than anyone in the neighborhood has ever seen it. And uh, for that matter, it's it's higher than, I mean, this is, uh, they're not even calling it, uh, you know, like a 500-year flood or a 100-year flood anymore. This is like a 1,000-year flood. Uh, it's just, it's remarkable of how crazy it is. And so in the past in Houston, when it's flooded, a lot of the times it's been a part of the city. So for whatever reason, you know, rain, uh a storm cell has kind of like just stayed over one part of the city and has really inundated that one part with a lot of water and that that those neighborhoods have flooded and so that's terrible of course we see that on on um on uh television on the news and and reporters are reporting from there and those kinds of things when that happens and usually the usually the you know the city absorbs that pretty easily uh, I mean not to diminish you know water in people's homes and things like that, but for the most part um it, it's a section of the city. This thing that has happened here at harvey and and I don't know i mean I know I'm hearing from people that are you know outside of the uh the Houston area or whatever but uh 
from all over and I do appreciate those the emails that I'm receiving and uh, you know Facebook uh, you know contact that I'm receiving um, but this is huge I mean Houston is a very very big city fourth city in uh, largest city in America and we're very very spread out and so this is hit all over the city and um, it, it's going to this, this is it's going to change it's going to change Houston for the most part uh, I, I believe it's not going to we won't be the same for I mean we'll be recovering from this for years this isn't going to be done in a couple of weeks or even a couple of months this is going to be taken care of in, in a couple of years and um, this is just a flooding I mean right now I mean there's loss of life uh, whole families have lost their lives uh, you know just in in a vehicle being swept away uh, a police officer uh, reporting for duty has uh, has been uh, you know swept away or lost his life I, I don't think they under, they know all the you know the reasoning or how it all happened behind there but he has lost his life um, tons of first responders coming out being so awesome um, they have deployed the whole national or the Texas National Guard I mean the whole the whole Texas National Guard right 13,000 uh, members and then I, I believe uh, military is starting to come in here as well um, we have people coming in from all over the state and all over just private citizens from all over the state and uh, Louisiana from all over the place uh, we know that you know you've heard of uh, probably heard of the Cajun Navy uh, so hundreds and hundreds of boats from Louisiana people who've come uh, with that you know and, and kind of have come to help out a lot of people just you know doing what they can um, a lot of first responders with you know water in their houses and their families but they are still showing up to work as much as possible as much as they can and uh, you know taking care of uh, taking care of others so uh, it's been so so awesome to see the outpouring uh, but it's so uh, disheartening I guess is is the word uh, to see all the devastation because you know that this is going to uh, this is going to be a big one uh, and it's going to affect a lot of people for a very very long time and that's just the water aspect of it right um, we're not even talking about the economic uh, the loss of, of wages for people uh, my concern is going to be that the uh, the estimates uh, are, are in the billions of course of, of damages of loss but uh, my my thing is going to be that there might be insurance companies that go under, go bankrupt, because there's just going to be so many claims that that they're they're not going to want to pay. So they're either going to find ways to not pay, or uh, they're going to you know very uh, closely go bankrupt. Uh, flood insurance you know gets paid through FEMA, and so I don't know how you know how that's going to run. Last time it was you know certain sections. Like I said, certain certain areas, but we're talking about a whole city. Um, they have filled the George R. Brown Convention Center uh, with uh, you know people who needed shelter. They're talking about opening up the Astrodome. I, I can't even believe that the Astrodome is even uh, has the ability to open up. Uh, somebody had uh, not too long ago. Somebody had posted some pictures. I guess they kind of snuck into the Astrodome and uh, with the flashlight and a camera they took pictures of you know a bunch of different things uh, you know that it just it was kind of just laying around and it was just kind of you know dumped and and ready to be demolished i guess so i, I don't know how the, all that's going to work don't know if the ac is going to work don't know if the lights work in there but i guess i guess they do because they're they're moving people in there um shelters are all over the places churches are opening up 
all over the places and so uh that's it's just really great but again the insurance uh, aspect of it uh people how, how many people are sick because i don't understand why people want to go and wade and swim and and do those things in this kind of water because not only is there um, you know, is it dirty water, but there's sewage, uh, there's, there's all kinds of chemicals that are leaking into the water. Um, you know, one news reporter said, you know, in talking with a, a doctor, or I, I, I believe it was a doctor, it's like it's, it's putting your face in the toilet uh, full of water is cleaner than going out into this water. And people are going out there, and if you got scratches on you, uh, you got cuts on you, and you know there's there's the potential to get really really sick. So you have all that aspect of it. You have people who aren't able to get to um, uh, pharmacies to get their medicine. Now I know you know pers- personally, I know people who who uh, have run out of medicine. You got people that need to have you know dialysis, and people that were uh, you know are on breathing machines, and and all this kind of stuff that they've you know lost power. They're not able to get, or their equipment is damaged, or you know, you, you think of all those kinds of things that that are going on. Uh, mold that's uh, people aren't going to remediate very well, and uh, it's going to you know plague people's homes. Um, just the amount of trash that is going to be picked up uh, is is remarkable. So there's there's a lot of things other than oh the oil right. So we know refineries have been shut down. Uh, we don't know what it, what uh, some of the plants are like. Um, you know, one of the things that we were watching on the news this evening was uh, um, an ammonia plant. Uh, they were they were um, evacuating people from around this ammonia plant because they were afraid that it was going to explode. And uh, there was other things in there uh, that they were talking about, but uh, that would send uh, a chemical cloud of ammonia, and then the, with the winds, you know, just start blowing it south. Uh, and it's north of the city, but it's taking on water. We have our, our we have two big reservoirs uh, that are uh, spilling over. They're releasing water, but they're spilling over. One of the things that's very very scary that people have talked about is one of the the dams to one of the reservoirs was built in the 40s, and uh, it, this sucker goes the the if the attics reservoir goes it's going to flood all of i ten and all of downtown uh on top of it i mean it it would flood it regardless but it would just it would that would be crazy and so what we're experiencing now is there's some bridges and um there's there's you know bridges that were uh that were made and you have all this infrastructure that has had all this water. Uh, and nowhere to go, and it's kind of uh, eroding and deteriorating. And uh, you know, some uh, there was a bridge that collapsed. We've had sinkholes uh, around the city, so you have all that infrastructure that is that is being damaged. And so this is going to be like a white. So the economic aspect of of what's going to happen on top of everything else, it's going to be it's crazy. I mean, they they can do their estimates right now, but I don't think there's there's any way to really estimate. Uh, the the damage yet um, they're still I mean they're still evacuating people as I'm talking to you now uh, there's still people with boats going in and and grabbing people and so um, we were very like I said we were very lucky water got up uh, I just I, it was coming in uh, not a lot of sleep the last couple of days because you um, 
you know, you're just checking checking the water line. And so uh, I had a fire hydrant across the street from me, and that's what we used to uh, kind of gauge the height of the water. It kept getting higher and higher, and then uh, finally kind of held there for a while, and then it started uh, going down. It just, just kept raining, though. Um, but uh, like I said, God was gracious, and we did not flood. I cannot say that for a lot of other people. We know people, my boss, uh, my boss uh, has inches in her house. Uh, people that I know I went to school with, um, you know, have second uh, two-story homes, and um, water is all the way, uh, you know, the first story. Uh, you know, seeing pictures on Facebook is just uh, of people who are sharing uh, people that they know, and it's just it's just crazy uh, how how de- wide range uh, and how devastating this is. Because even if you get a few inches of rain in your water, and you're still having to deal with that, uh, you know, so that so it's it's going to be bad. But anyway, uh, again, I appreciate uh, the uh, all the uh, the emails and everybody that's uh, kind of been. Uh, hit me up and like, hey Todd, hope you're okay. Um, and uh, it's it's uh, like I said, God God's blessed. Um, uh, I, I know our school district has, um, or my job, uh, I work for the school district. For those of you who who don't who don't know, um, you know they have completely canceled. I mean, no one no one is moving, and that's just they just canceled until next Tuesday. Um, but but I, I I don't believe we're going to be able to open even then. Um, they haven't even been able to get into the campuses. And last time it flooded, the campuses, about, about 13, uh, maybe more of our facilities uh, had water in them. And they can't even get to them now to see what it's like. I mean, just now, barely, they're starting to get to them. And uh, there's mo- most definitely there, there's facilities that have water in them. Those will have to be taken care of. So uh, never in uh, history of, uh, at, at least in the people that I've talked to and, and uh, people that have been with the school district for 30 plus years, never never knew of a of a first day of school that ever got postponed. And uh, But, you know, here we are and uh, it's happened for this school year. So we'll see how the, all that's going to play out. Uh, but, uh, you know, there's, there's, it's just not Houston. I mean, we've got, you know, Rockport has been hit. I know Rockport probably hasn't received a lot of attention uh, of what's going on. You know, they, they got the Hurricane Harvey just hit directly. And, and there, uh, you know, I saw some pictures of it, damage and stuff like that. I think a lot more people are focusing on Houston because it's just so much wide, more widespread. And it's an ongoing situation as far as, you know, like uh, what Rockport um, received it, you know, it was just, it was damage and, uh, and, and that, but now Louisiana is going to uh, face it. And so from Houston over to Louisiana, and, and I know that uh, last time I saw the news, people were having to evacuate from Louisiana and uh, they're going to feel it as well because this, this, uh, the rain just did not stop. I mean, it was uh, at one point there was a 400 mile long band uh, of rain uh, that was all the way from Houston all the way down into the Gulf. It was crazy. And uh, so anyway, uh, you know, things are good. Uh, I am, I'm recording the podcast. And so uh, again, appreciate everybody's uh, well wishes. So let's go ahead and get started on the podcast. Got a, got a couple of uh, uh, great articles here for you. Um, you got to forgive me. I don't have all my equipment with me. Uh, we did we did leave uh, to uh, to my parents' house, and uh, just for the evening, we'll be back at my home tomorrow. So I'll have all my information, all, all my equipment. But so I'm kind of uh, 
might have some uh, slip ups here, so just deal with just uh, you know be patient with me here. But uh, the first article comes to us from prepblog.com, and uh, it's 11 bartering tips for preppers. I think this is a good one because it's going to, uh, even if you're not thinking about, you know, an SHTF situation where barter is, uh, a situ- you know, the real the real economy or whatever, uh, it is, uh, you know, it gives you some ideas for what you can do now. So if you ever go to a place where you're, uh, and you might not be bartering, but maybe you're talking someone down, you're trying to make a deal, uh, those kinds of things, uh, there might be some good information here that, that could help you. So let's go ahead and get started. The most important tip when bartering is have something valuable to barter, and that means storing up bartering items before the SHTF. The best bartering items don't cost much before the SHTF, are easy to store, and will be worth a lot after the SHTF. See my Stuff to Store for Bartering post. You don't want to be in a disadvantaged position before the bartering even begins by having little of value to offer. Know the value of your bartering items. Forget about what an item is worth before disaster strikes. What is it worth now? Do not, m- I'm sorry, do not underestimate the value of your items. The marketplace has changed and your bartering items are not easily obtainable and would be expensive if available. Talk up the value of your offer. Mention the difficulty of obtaining the item in the current situation. Talk up its usefulness over anything else your fellow barterers may have, and don't let them talk down its value. Know the value of the item that you want. Do you really need that item? What's it worth to you? Compared to what you already own, do not overpay for an item just because you want it. Talk down the value of the item you are seeking. Do not let let on that it's valuable. Express that you can do without it. Do not seem overly interested. Once you start negotiations, walking away can seem like losing, and no one likes to lose. Don't fall into the trap of paying too much because you don't want to walk away. Car salesmen know this fact. The more times you spend negotiating, the harder it is for you to walk away. Trust is not part of the negotiation. Do not trust that they will provide anything goods or services after you've handed over your item. Verify every substantial assertion made about the deal and the item you seek. Even if the other person is a relative, friend, long-term acquaintance, or neighbor, trust is not part of the deal. Bring someone with you to the negotiation in case things go south. Never go alone, alone to barter or make an exchange of items. Have a contingency plan in case they turn down your offer. You should sweeten the deal by adding another item of modest value, or you could offer a different item entirely. Have an exit strategy. Regardless of whether the deal happens or not, you need need a way to exit the situation without being robbed by other persons or by a third party. You need a way to safely return home with your items. And develop multiple sources for all of the goods that you need to purchase or barter for. That way you won't be dependent on any one source and so you won't have to pay too much for any item. All right, so short article, but, uh, you know, those articles with, you know, all the stuff to store for bartering, you know, take that with with a grain of salt. I mean, go check that out, get a lot of ideas, take that with a grain of salt. Um, You know, when I read, uh, and I know they're fictional dystopian, you know, books and things like that, but usually, you know, when when there's there's a bartering, um, you know, like a a flea market, you know, kind of, you know, that comes up. 
And uh, I've talked about this before. You, you have you have those kinds of things like in Jericho. Uh, if you uh, if you watch that that television show that so many people you know loved back in the day, um, you, you same thing kind of happened. And in in going into one of these places, there was always security and rules and all those kinds of things. And so uh, you know the those probably eventually would wind up. Uh, you know, showing up in in an SHTS situation, right? But uh, yeah, uh, having items to store, I think, would be important. Things that are cheap now, uh, you know, what I remember just just uh, uh, reading uh, Mark Goodwin's books uh, about uh, just rings for canning, right? Rings and, and lids for canning, and you think about how cheap they are now, and stocking up on some of those. So if you are somebody who cans. Having some of those, but then uh, you know, just buying extra whenever you can uh, to to be able to uh, have if you needed to store things, and so you could break apart packages and, and you know whatever. So you have you have all those possibilities. But there's a, a link here to go check that out. That uh, stuff to store for bartering, and uh, maybe you can get some ideas there. Who knows? You might be able to come across a case of things that uh, you know that that are suggested, and you can just kind of stock it away. I would always stock away things that uh, are good for bartering, so it's extra stuff. But if you don't wind up bartering, you could use it if you needed it. You know what I'm saying? So uh, you know, look for things like that, things that you could barter um, and, and and get valuable, you know, uh, things for that you could barter valuable things for, or uh, make sure or and make sure that you could use them if you needed to and you have access to them. All right, all right. So uh, good article over there. Eleven bartering tips for preppers. Our next article comes to us from survivalblog.com. And uh, I think this is a really uh, a really great uh, article. I am I am looking forward to. I mean, we've already posted part two on Prepper website, but I, I will also uh, uh, because that you'll see that after I read this one, you're going to want part two, I, I believe. So you might want to jump over to Prepper website and find that one. Uh, but I'll also read it, read it on the podcast as well. Uh, if you're a newbie prepper or you've been prepping for maybe, you know, even if you've been prepping for one or two years, uh, maybe five years, you might have this. This might be very, very valuable to you. And um, so I want to go ahead and get into it. And uh, I, I think you'll you'll enjoy it. Even if you've been prepping for a long time, you might find this valuable. I definitely I think you will find it valuable. So uh, survivalblog.com, the article is entitled How I Stopped Worrying and Used PMCT, and then this is part one. With the apparent imminent collapse that I have focused upon in my years of preparedness, I was worrying. My focus became a frantic effort. I made plans, yet wisdom came with PMCT. Quote, the heart of a man plans the way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Proverbs 16.9. Quote, man plans and God laughs. End quote, old Yiddish adage. The tenth man... Th- Ten man, the Tenth Man Theory. There you go. In the 2013 zombie apocalypse movie World War Z, the hero has a conversation with an Israeli Mossad agent about the Tenth Man Theory. It states, and I paraphrase, that in the midst of military planning, if nine people agree on a particular strategy or belief, the Tenth Man is duty-bound to disagree. The rationale behind this is to bring to light problems or other factors that sometimes the majority does not want to acknowledge or is blinded to do due to a groupthink herd mentality. 
I have become my own tenth man, questioning and rethinking my entire strategy of preparedness. I found it necessary to become my own devil's advocate to prevent my emotional commitment to preparing from completely blinding me to what may become inconvenient realities. There were three realities I needed to see. First, what I was preparing for may happen completely different from what I had envisioned. Second, I had to be more mentally prepared, no matter the circumstances. And third, what I was preparing for may not happen at all. What led to self-examination? I have been pre- prepa- I'm sorry. I have been prepping for nearly a decade and have made a substantial commitment, both financially and psychologically, to the preparedness lifestyle. After years of living and working within eight miles of my retreat property in the foothills of the eastern Tennessee mountains, the need to care for elderly parents and the conclusion of a seven-year employment contract expedited a return to the suburbs of central Virginia. My retreat property and the majority of my preps are now eight hours and a 500-mile drive away. I was forced to make a very uncomfortable yet revealing self-examination of my survival plans and future. The rookie mistakes. Prepping demands a degree of secrecy, which by default creates a situation that prohibits any sort of meaningful mental support structure. Other than my wife, God bless her for limitless understanding and tolerance, who watched over my finances and listened to me ramble about the New World Order, I had no no one in my early days of prepping who I could trust with the secret of my new passion. Unlike most passions, hobbies, or professions, prepping had to had no formal training apparatus or mentorship program that I was aware of to guide you down a slow but steady path to mastery and success. You were left mostly to your own devices and personally and personality quirks to figure it out on your own. I did as many do and rushed in head first, knowing that at any moment the world around me and my family could collapse into chaos. Time was crucial and sacrifices had to be made. So I know that this, uh, let me break in just really quick. I know that this person has been prepping for a long time. You do have a lot more resources now. Um, you know, you have, you know, websites like Prepper Website, you have podcasts, you have uh, you know, all different kinds of things. One of the things that I have mentioned before in the past is, uh, you know, Preppers University. And uh, like, uh, like I mentioned before, it is run by uh, Daisy Luther and Lisa Bedford. Uh, you know, Daisy, is, you know, I read her articles all the time from theorganicprepper.ca. And, of course, Lisa Bedford, I read her articles as well from uh, thesurvivalmom.com. And, uh, you know, they've come up with, the prepar- with Preppers University, which uh, does allow you to um, participate in these great preparedness um, webinars Plus, there's so much more. I mean, there's so many more resources you can't even begin to realize it. But uh, the great thing about it is that you do have this kind of like mentorship, this uh, this uh, intensive classes, either eight weeks or six weeks that you're a part of, and you learn so much in doing, you know, being a part of this. Uh, you get to ask questions, uh, you get to uh, you know participate with other people, uh, and like I said, all these resources that you just normally don't get from websites. Uh, and a very reasonable price, and uh, you know it's a it's a great uh, great deal for you. So I, I will I will will link to that in the show notes if you're interested in uh, you know, participating because it starts September 3rd in a couple of days, so you can do that. 
but I just I was thinking about that when you know, when I was reading this, you know, there's no mentorship, there was no, uh, there's not a lot of information out there, and you're on your own with the power of the internet now and being able to do webinars and and you feel like you get to know people uh, online because you just spend so much time with them, you get to see them, you're interacting with them, and uh, so you do, you know, things have changed a lot since this person started, right? All right, so let's go ahead and continue. One of the biggest mistakes. Trips to the stores became treasure hunts for canned meat with the longest shelf life. Canned salmon? Heck, I've never even tried it, but give me three cases. Spam? I hate spam, but I'll eat anything when the collapse comes. Give me four cases. I had it all. Guns, ammo, storable food, gardening supplies, solar panels, batteries, inverters, medical supplies, canning jars, propane, rice, beans, honey, salt, sugar, toilet paper, non-GMO, non-hybrid seeds... I purchased land to serve as a retreat property and set about building a cabin, starting a garden, setting up the solar panels, collecting rainwater, raising chickens, buying caches, and so it went every day for years. Unbeknownst to me at the time, I had made the biggest of rookie mistakes, concentrating solely on accumulating stuff. Not only was this the wrong approach, but I had become trapped in a vicious cycle of self-reinforcing delusion deconstructing the delusion as humans we tend to gravitate towards things that confirm or affirm our beliefs this is clinically known as confirmation bias i am no exception early in my prepping journey i fell into what i now call the prepper trap i didn't exactly fall it was probably more accurate that i jumped in with an enthusiasm that only comes with newly discovered enlightenment i devoured every scrap of doom porn available I spent hours on the internet and YouTube discovering the dark secrets of the Federal Reserve, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, false flags, EMPs, and the New World Order. Sandy Hook, Ebola, Jade Helm, Shemitah, Martial Law, stock stock market collapse were all subjects of interest. I was that guy telling everyone that would listen. Doom and gloom is just around the corner and you had better be prepared or suffer a horrible death because I saw it on the internet and it had to be true. I refused to entertain any other point of view because in my eyes I was rational, informed, and armed with special red pill vision that granted me secret access into the hidden world of the elite and their evil plans for society. The unenlightened were the sheeple, existing only to be loathed and scorned for their ignorant consumerism and denial of how the world actually works. An Unhealthy Perspective It became unhealthy for me, both mentally and physically. I withdrew from friends and family, stopped attending events that took me too far away from my preps, and generally became a cynical old man. I found myself almost wishing for some sort of calamity to justify my prepping. Life during the time for me was a blur. I only focused on the date of the next event that was supposedly going to hail the beginning of Teotihuacan, all while I continued to build upon my mountain of supplies. Retreating. Finally, I had enough. If the collapse wasn't coming to me, I would go to the collapse. Starting on January 2nd, 2017, I went to my retreat property, cabin, and remained there for 84 days. If you have never entertained the idea of moving off-grid, clear from your mind any thought that it will resemble some sort of thorough-esque spiritual journey or be some kind of back-to-nature experience where you spend all day watching squirrels frolic in the trees while writing in your journal. Not that those things aren't possible, it just is not realistic. 
My roosters, born without a sense of time or tradition, became my alarm clock at zero dark thirty every day, and I went to bed every night not long after they did. Exhausted from daily tasks, I ate from my supplies, lived on solar power, tended to my chickens, prepared my garden fencing for the spring, and tested almost every piece of gear that I had accumulated over the past seven years. There was no television or internet, and I only had enough cell phone reception to let my wife know I was alive and well. I traded eggs with neighbors for crappy filled. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I traded eggs with neighbors for crappy fillet and venison tenderloin for my dinners. It was unusually cold this winter in Tennessee, which forced me to become a slave to my wood stove. Note: When you think that you have enough wood stored, double it. Chopping wood for kindling was a daily chore. During one week, it never climbed out of the 20s. I used a propane heater and tarps to keep the water in my rain collection tanks thawed for use. The task was one that often took four to six hours to accomplish. Emerging On the 83rd day, I declared a truce with my psyche and packed it for home. I came out of the woods the next day with a different understanding of myself and the world around me. There is no doubt that this excursion saved my sanity to some degree. I had matured from doom, por- doom prepper to someone with a greater appreciation for life and nature. I had freed my mind from the constant bombardment of negativity and re-emerged a changed person. Today's reality. Flash forward to today and here I sit, smack dab in the middle of College Town, USA. Are the stock markets rigged and will they eventually collapse? Yep. Is our nation's debt unsustainable and are we hopelessly enslaved to central banks? Yep. Is there a global cabal seeking to make us mindless minions and strip away all of our rights? Probably. Have I done everything within my power to prepare for these inevitable failures? Yep. But for now, I have to live in the present. My 13-year-old daughter wants to go to the movies, hang out with friends, and live a normal teenage life. My wife wants to go to dinner and do day hikes. I have found peace in being the silent warrior, even vigilant and ready for the struggle. How did I come to this place of contentment while living in what I would have considered several years ago to be a certain death trap if the collapse happens? The answer is PMCT. Tomorrow I will explain my PMCT is and share more. All right, so you can kind of see, you know, that you want to read the next part of that and kind of see where he went with that and how he came up with it. But I think this this journey that that he's talking about here, that DD or the initials, is talking about here, resembles a lot of people, right? It resembles a whole lot of people and their journeys into preparedness. Uh, and uh, if you take it seriously, if you start looking at everything and you start uh, realizing how fragile our world is and how crazy it is, uh, you know, it, you start going down that route. And they needed, uh, he needed this time away to be able to kind of get his head straight and, um, you know, uh, get out there and do some do some work and uh, work with your hands and, and maybe uh, in a way kind of prove that, hey, I could do this if I needed to. Uh, I could uh, I could live this way um, uh, if if I had to. Um, he's, he talked about living off of supplies, uh, supply foods, and th- those kinds of things. So uh, I'm sure he um, he learned a lot of uh, a lot of lessons there. There's uh, about 21 comments here, so you can go check that out over at survivalblog.com. And then again, like I said, we'll uh, we'll get to the second part of this 
this article here here pretty soon. So uh, that's over at survivalblog.com. All right, let's go ahead and go to our last uh, article of the podcast. It comes to us from readynutrition.com. Uh, the title is Urban Survivors of Post-SHTF Water Supply. Uh, this one was written by Jeremiah Johnson over there. All right, here we go. Ready Nutrition guys and gals, we're going to cover some quick down and dirty techniques for throwing a water supply together before the SHTF for our urban dwelling readers. Too often, urbanites are ignored, and there are surely many more of you as readers than the comments reveal. Many of you may be wondering about this as I've written extensively about rain catchment systems for your home, underground cisterns, methods of water storage in the home, and the like. I have also written on how to locate water from unlikely sources. So why this? Because where's a hair's breadth away because we're a hair's breadth away from a war and or an EMP electromagnetic pulse strike against the US and may, and many have not initiated any of the, these plans for water storage. Uh, that's one thing that uh, you know, just let me take a break from this from the article really quick. That's one thing that I did not uh, discuss uh, recently. Uh, you know, I've been so it's been so crazy. Well, the last the last day was very very limited uh, internet uh, f- you know for me on my just kind of on my phone and stuff, and so uh, was wasn't doing too much of uh, keeping up with the news. Uh, pretty much more it was following what was going on in in the Houston area. But uh, you know, I did did know that uh, North Korea did file, fire off a missile that went over Japan. That's a pretty big. Uh, I mean, that's that's crazy. So the the crazy little short man with the, the bowl cut over in North Korea is really pushing it. I don't know why he wants to keep pushing it. I don't know if this guy has a death wish or what, but uh, he really did kind of uh, take it up a notch. Uh, you know, when he when he uh, sent that over and you would think, you know, it's like, hey, all right, everyone knows you got nuclear. Everyone, you know, why do you keep what's the purpose? Why do you keep doing this? You know, people know that you can launch. You got people you've got people that are concerned. You've got, uh, you know, you know, the government, you know, wanting to at least uh, I think Tillerson had made a mention that, hey, we will we will talk at, at this one point, whatever, if you stop firing off nukes or, or, or missiles or whatever. But th- this, this guy just keeps doing it. I, I don't know what his, what his thing is. And so um, there's going to be a response. I mean, there, there's just going to be a response. Uh, uh, so you know that eventually that's going to happen. That's going to take all kinds of things. I have my ideas on, on, uh, on on just kind of all of this you know everything crazy but anyway um maybe i'll talk about that a little bit later on but you you have that that idea uh going on so i think that what when he's re, uh referring to nuclear war uh you have the things ratcheting up with uh, and of course this article was written before he fired off the missile over japan but uh you know i think jeremiah is referring to this the fact that this guy is not you know backing down he's not stopping he he, he keeps you know, provoking. I guess that's the word. He keeps provoking uh, by by doing stupid stuff out there. So, anyway, that's where you kind of go on with this. So let's continue on with the article. On another note, naysayers and trolls have been posting without hiatus. Hiatus. So, sorry. Their methods are simple: deny, discredit, and denounce. Do not pay attention to these non-productive comments in which everything written is attacked without any viable solution being proposed. 
The information presented here is not as perfect as the credentials of the trolls. However, if you take the initiative, research it yourself, and then act upon it, the information gives you both options and ideas to enable you to succeed. If you're in an urban environment, especially living in an apartment or condo, your options regarding water storage are going to be severely limited. Tell you what, if you're not thinking outside the box, nobody will do so for you when the time is needed. My advice is if you have a storage unit in the building or complex, see if you can rent an extra one. If not, then allocate the one that you have for storing emergency supplies, one of them being water. You can store five-gallon containers with water in the storage unit. A good idea for you would be two five-gallon containers for each member of the family. That would give you a minimum of a five-day supply per family member as each person needs about two gallons per day. Cases of bottled water would be your next option, followed by the two-liter bottle storage method. Ensure that if you're in an apartment that you at least have one of those five-gallon containers per person. I'm trying to suggest it so that you don't have too much water weight in one given area, although one container per person is certainly on the conservative side. Use your best judgment. In an apartment, allocate water for use for the toilet. You want a couple of five-gallon containers for the toilet. When the, that emergency, with, when the emergency either occurs or looms, danger close, you need to fill up the bathtub and all the sinks in the house completely. Fill up every large container that can be easily knocked over and preferably those with lids. Fill up containers with lids, lining, and stacking them up all over the house if need be. You may plan on bugging out, but you may be trapped there for a while, and it's better safe than sorry. Load up now and store it to see you through until you can leave. Here's an idea for you that may work should you, your city or town be suffering from the effects of an EMP, but not a nuke or nuclear radiation. Tap into the downspout nearest to your unit. With the aid of a square and a sturdy but flexible sheet of plastic, such as a disposable plastic baking sheet, for instance, make a funnel and run the end of this into a length of one inch or comparable PVC pipe, securing your funnel with strong duct tape. You'll you'll then need to punch into the downspout and then position your funnel to catch the water and run it into your PVC pipe, then to a container that you pre-position. To answer your question, if you place a container at the bottom of the downspout and there's a water shortage, how long will it be until a Planet of the Apes scenario unfolds and another 100 people want the water that's in that container? Not to mention that you'll have to expose yourself to the outside. High-rise apartment dwellers will have a hard time with this one, and if you don't have a balcony facing the downspout, you'll have to figure an alternative method to pipe it in or collect it. For apartment dwellers with balconies, you can stretch sheets of plastic in an open funnel and catch the water into collecting containers. Pre-position open containers all over your balcony. Here's a good idea for you. Pick up a large metal or plastic outdoor garbage can. Line the inside of it with two layers of thick contractor strength trash bags. Leave that on your balcony or on your porch. Be smart. After the SHTF, place a bunch of trash around the the base of it, maybe kick or dent or a a two into it, and go at it with a can of spray paint all over. Make Make it appear to be a trash can. But it'll be your urban cistern. Hold from the IHM, Incredible Human Mob or hidden from the IHM, Incredible Human Mob. 
You can fill that with water you collect from the rain gutter tap I just mentioned to the smaller containers and plastic sheets you use to gather rainwater. With the plastic bag overlapped, it will look just as, as an ordinary trash can. Make sure you also have plenty of water purification gear, filters, chemical additives such as bleach, iodine, or HTH, calcium, hydrochloride, to treat the water you collect, and pitchers with filtration systems such as Bria's, etc. You also need to find a building or storage facility that is not going to hold anything particularly useful. Use the spouts from this location to collect rainwater. Just remember, chances are, unless you visit it or watch, it over, watch over it, the water you collect will be taken. Now, about others in your building. If you're fortunate enough to have a laundry room in your building, you can organize a building water supply with the washing machines. Run the machines to fill and use them as a storage reservoir. You can, after it has hit, disconnect the hoses and see if you might be able to take some water from them. Don't forget that utility sink, stop it up, plug it up, or whatever, but fill the bad boy up and keep it topped off. Just let me... Uh, uh, a lot of new, just interject here, a lot of new washer machines have a safety f feature that if it fills up with water and then uh, the power goes out or you stop it or whatever, it immediately starts to drain. So uh, that's just FYI on that one um, to, to use just in case you, um, you, um, are, you know, are thinking about that one. Uh, so let's continue on with that. Uh, the reason, if you're working on some kind of community building public good project to save water for the rest of the building, building's residents, it will deflect the attention of the neighbors from water you're storing in your own unit. In addition, a neighborhood watch mentality may be just what you need to protect you and yours. We'll get into that more deeply into the next segment. You'll need that watch mentality, especially for the water supply, because you'll have to rotate or guard it. Let us not forget other essential areas that will most likely be able to supply you with water. Outdoor community pools, fire hydrants, and the like. Water will be where you will find it. Let us not forget those hot water, uh, hot water heaters. Use your own judgment. Verify that an EMP has struck before you scavenge, scavenge from ultra-critical necessary infrastructure. The nature of your water gathering operation will be directly affected by the type of structure you live in and the population density. I'm going to open this up to you and field you a question. I'm especially interested in any reader who lived in New York City who went through the blackouts of the 1970s. Please write to us and tell us how it was, especially those of you who may have lived on the 40th floor of a 100-story apartment building. Let us know what you did and the measures you took. This is an experience that is valuable and would be greatly appreciated by myself as well as the other readers of Ready Nutrition. Lastly, when all is said and done and you're able, unless you are the Omega Man, as Charlton Heston played in the movie, you need to get out of Dodge. The challenge to find water after an EMP strike is a big one in an urban environment. It can be done with the proper amount of desire, dedication, and planning. The next segment, we're going to cover defensive postures in an urban environment for yourself and your family, as well as your building for a post-SHTF scenario. Until then, stay frosty and keep fighting the good fight each day. JJL. All right, so... Um, you know, in the comments, I, I, I went to the comments because I wanted to see if anybody from uh, New York uh, or any, any high rise uh, would have, uh, you know, left some information, but there didn't. So there's no comments there. There's a lot of uh, links in this one. 
so uh, you'll definitely want to uh, to uh, check those out. Um, but again, I'm going to, and I got really close to uh, deploying my water bob this uh, this time around. And so I am going to tell you that if you if you have a water bob, or if you don't have a water bob, if you have a, a bathtub, you need to have a water bob. Uh, so I was getting ready because uh, floodwaters were getting so high. My concern was that uh, our water system, uh, and we had, we're in a mud district, that if it got flooded or it was about to get flooded, uh, of course they'd shut it off and because water would be de- uh, contaminated and they're not going to send that through the system so uh, that it would be shut off. So my thing was... Um, was I was you know do I need to deploy that water bob? It's a one-time deployment. Once you fill it up, it, it's done. You use that water, and uh, it you know it it's after that water is after that use, it's done. You can't use the water bob again. So or at least I you know they say it's a one-time use. I've never known anyone uh, to open it up to to fill it up uh, to use it and then try to use it again. So uh, maybe if someone has ever done that before, I'd really like to hear. Uh, your uh you know your experience with that uh would it be possible is it uh you know does it fill up again does the pump not not work again uh is it just because it's uh very thin plastic and you know uh, you you don't want to use that for very long uh you know i'd appreciate anybody's feedback on that you can hit me up on facebook twitter and instagram or uh send me an email or a comment over uh, on uh, the prepper website podcast.com so um, I mean that's what that's what I would be doing, especially if I was in an urban situation. Uh, I would be filling up uh, a water bob. I would have a water bob. They're only like thirty bucks, maybe a little bit more now, but uh, you know they're they're definitely worth it. Every every home should have one, uh, I believe. All right, guys. So uh, that's it. It's uh, you know it's late. I'm tired, having got a lot of sleep, uh, you know, the last couple of nights. So I'm um, going to put this up and uh, take care of Prepper website. And we are, uh, you know, we'll be back tomorrow definitely again. So, again, appreciate everyone's uh, emails and concerns out there. Uh, hopefully we don't uh, miss another um, another podcast or, or uh, another, uh, you know, up, update to Prepper website anytime soon. Uh, you know, definitely don't want to hear about, uh, don't want to hear the name Harvey for, for a long, long time. So anyway, uh, keep, uh, people in Houston in your prayers and people in Louisiana in your prayers as well, because they're, they're getting hit hard now and they're going to be going through that. And, uh, you know, they, they have experience with, uh, with that, a lot of experience because they've gone through, through a bunch over there. So uh, with with previous hurricanes and, and flooding and all that kind of stuff. So uh, again, that's it. Thanks so much for uh, for being a part of the podcast. Like I said, uh, if you uh, love to, I'd love to connect with you and hear feedback from uh, readers uh, of Prepper website and listeners of the podcast. Uh, you can always hit me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and um, you know, or come to the to the website and uh, drop me an email or a comment. With that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.